Have you ever felt that pang of disappointment when you couldn't add a ticket to your collection because it was digital? Or maybe you just lost it. Well, Stubforge.com is here to change that. Imagine this, tickets that not only look but feel like the real deal. Because each ticket from Stubforge is printed on the same quality stock that Ticketmaster uses and printed with genuine ticket printers. It's like holding a piece of the concert, the game or the show right in your hands. But Stubforge isn't just about replacing tickets. With the easy-to-use interactive designer, you can create custom tickets for anything from concerts to sports games, pregnancy announcements or parties. Why not make your invitations stand out with tickets that are as unique as your event? And if you're trying to complete a back catalogue of missing tickets, Stubforge offers bulk discounts to make it both easy and affordable. With Stubforge, you can once more give your loved ones physical tickets and see their eyes light up instantly at the best gift you can give. So whether you're looking to reignite your ticket collection, craft the perfect gift, or send the coolest invites, head over to stubforge.com. Start creating today and see how Stubforge makes every ticket a story worth saving. Visit stubforge.com and start making tickets today. A couple of quick notes before today's show. Sarah and I cannot thank you enough for joining us on the sustainability journey and sharing your own good, the bad, and laughable. And we truly appreciate you sharing these episodes with family and friends. However, this episode may not be appropriate for everyone. As we approach the holiday season, we want to keep the Christmas magic alive. And therefore, a word of caution, this may not be an appropriate episode for younger children. Also, I know, we know, and we promise, season two is coming. Unfortunately, sometimes life just gets in the way, but we are currently in post-production and we'll have it out to you in the near future. In the meantime, we are going to be including a few bonus episodes such as this one. We hope you enjoy and look forward to coming back in the new year. Hello and welcome to Guilty Greenie. We are your imperfect hosts. I'm Kate Bagby. And I'm Sarah Ferris. And today we have a very special bonus episode. Sarah, what are we going to talk about today? It's one of my favorite things in the world. It's Christmas. I love Christmas. New Zealand Christmases, all of Christmas is upside down. You're having a hot roast dinner and ridiculous bikini kind of heat situations. <laughs> and then when we moved to the UK, I just loved the fact that we were having proper winter mm-hmm. white Christmases and all the traditions make sense. So yeah, I just love Christmas. I spent one Christmas in Hawaii and I will say it does feel a little bit upside down. Weird. Yeah. yeah nothing makes sense. I remember also, spoiler alert, we would put icing sugar for Santa Claus footprints through the house. What in God's name, what child would make sense of that, that there was even snow in the middle of summer in somebody's house in New Zealand? (laughs) At what age did it dawn on you that there was no snow in the house? I can't even remember. But we did have this thing in our house that Santa Claus only came if everybody in the family believed. So we made our youngest brother believe in Santa Claus till he was like 12, 13. We were like, don't don't give it up, Matt. Don't give it up yet. We're not ready for Santa to go. I'm trying to think of like what age I was and I don't know. 
And I'm sure I learned like on the bus or something to school because reach a certain age and certain kids are coming a bit cynical. And then you have the other group of kids that are like very excited, like, oh, I can't wait for Santa. And you have that one, that one child who turns around and goes, well, you know. (laughs) (laughs) This episode's going to come with an explicit warning. So no children listen to this episode that we've ruined their Christmases. Yeah. (laughs) That'd be awful. I'd hate it if that happened. Oh, no. <gasps> Don't take the magic, Sarah and Kate. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm going to rob a little bit more magic from this very wonderful holiday. We want to talk about some fun facts first? Yeah, go for it. Yep. Okay. It's going to be a Christmas quiz for you. I'm in. What percentage? I feel like I need ah, the, I need stop, the music. Stop. No, no, listen. You said this was going to be a fun quiz and you immediately ruined that by saying what percentage. I said you know it's I going to number. be a Christmas quiz. I, there was no fun in front of that. <laughs> okay. No. Okay. Suck it up. What Go. percentage of Brits celebrate Christmas? Oh, 60%. No. How far? Well, what percentage of Americans do you think celebrate Christmas? Oh, quite a Christian bunch. going to go higher and say 75 86 and 85, respectively. Oh, so who's higher, US or UK? UK. But a lot of people don't necessarily celebrate it for religious reasons. True, that's true. I mean, we certainly don't. Yeah. Okay. How many people in the United States are sent to the ER every year from Christmas decorating-related accidents? Oh, my God. I can't even imagine what that is. What a tensile choking incident. I think, like, falling off a ladder... Like oh, lights. yeah, that makes more sense. Okay. Oh, God. Actually, probably quite a lot. I don't know how many people. Shitloads? <laughs> That's my answer. That's the statistical number between a not such a big shitload and a massive shitload. There you go. <laughs> it's 15,000, give or take. 15,000. That's not that many population-wise. No, out of 300, was right. it 320 million? It's, yeah, I'm doing Okay. Yeah, that's not too bad. It'd be worse. There's a, to follow up on Christmas-related accidents, every year in the United States, there's around $15.7 million in property damage due to fires caused by trees. By trees? Yeah. And I guess at Christmas, a lot more candles being lit. Oh, she says, with the candle right beside her. Yes. That is one of my favorite things around Christmas time, is we put candles in all of our windows. It's very New Englandy. On average, how much does the consumer spend on Christmas gifts? It depends on the person, right? Well, it's an average. Of course, there's going to be. I know, but like an average that I would spend on gifts would be more than my kids. Uh, Oh, that's how an average works. Shut up. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I just heard myself say it. Um, Okay, I'm going to say $200. No. I'm plucking it here again. Around $965. What? Hold on. the average. The average in one Christmas, one person spends is $965, US dollars. Mm -hmm. That's according to the National Retail Federation. Huge amount more than I thought it would be. Yeah. I mean, there's an average as well. God. I guess some people go over the top, don't they? And then some people are down low. Yeah. When we grew up, our gift tended to be one or two, but it tended to be a high-value gift, like something that would last. My parents weren't very big on that kind of, you'll use it for a couple of months and then that's it. And then it's done. I wonder if you looked at the statistics over time of 
how much people spend on Christmases, if it's just become so much more of a consumer marketed gimmicky kind of thing, like yeah. for us, Halloween is in the UK, which Halloween is not a thing that has been around when I was younger. Same in New Zealand, but now, you know, it's a huge, obviously, in the US. It's your thing. You can keep that. Um, <laughs> Especially where I am, because I'm not far from Salem, Massachusetts. So, you know, the, oh, the whole right. hocus pocus and all of... Uh, witch hunts. Yeah. And, you know, the, the yeah. witch trials. So it's very big here. Over here, you know, the kids have drunk the Kool-Aid mm. uh, and it's in every shop as well now. There's a very funny... I know we're, not, we're talking about Christmas, but there was a very funny sustainable Halloween meme that mm. says, don't buy plastic skeletons this year. Use sustainably sourced real ones. <laughs> Uh, how very true crime of you but also don't please don't do that no one do that that is a joke Uh, (laughs) okay what else oh i have a fun christmas fact about tinsel tinsel as we know it today is made from plastic but that wasn't always the case in 1600s early 1600s tinsel was actually made from real silver what Mm -hmm. Really? I thought you were going to say woven flax or something. Gosh, that's a game for the rich. Seriously. But then at some point it became, I don't know what exactly it was made out of, but it actually was banned in the United States because it contained lead and it was really toxic. (laughs) (laughs) But did you say the 1600s? Yeah, 1600s for the real silver tinsel. That's interesting because the tradition of a Christmas tree only happened around the time of Queen Victoria, I do believe. In UK, that's how the Christmas tree became a thing. But obviously the Germans were doing it well before that. Well, and before that, the Egyptians and the Romans actually decorated uh, evergreen trees to celebrate winter solstice. So the the history of decorating a tree goes back a long Mm. time. But to your point, right, it was Prince Albert from Germany Mm -hmm. who gave, gave his wife, Queen Victoria, the tree. And it kind of picked up from there. Yeah. And then there was a photo, that's why, because there weren't very many photos taken back in the day of Queen Victoria. And it was the family photo of them underneath the Christmas tree. And then everybody was like, jeepers, I need to get myself a tree. That is History for Dummies by Sarah. Please subscribe now and get thicker. (laughs) (laughs) Here's another Christmas fun fact. It was illegal to celebrate Christmas in the colonies from 1659 to 1681. And it didn't even really become a holiday holiday until the 1800s in the United States. Was that because of the Puritans? This has turned into quite the bloody history podcast. It's fun history, though. It's Christmas trivia. Let's move on. I want to talk about food waste and then just general waste. Do you eat Brussels sprouts? I mean, it's not what I would choose to eat, the tiny cabbage, but yeah, I've eaten them. Oh, I love them. I think that's a weird thing when people say they love them. I can't get to that point. No. A little balsamic vinegar and oil, salt and pepper, roast those. So good. This is like a recipe show as well today. <laughs> it turns History recipes, what else do you need? It turns out quite a few people in the UK really, really like Brussels sprouts. So much so, especially around Christmas, that 25% of the entire year's sprout sales happen the two weeks before Christmas. But only half of them are eaten. That makes so much sense. Especially if you've got kids in the house. They're never going to eat those damn Brussels sprouts. So good, though. Okay, so Americans throw away about 25% more trash between Thanksgiving and New Year's. So it's an extra 25 million tons or about 1 million extra tons per week during that time frame. That's a lot. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
In the UK, the GWP group found it's 3 million tons of general waste. That does not include food waste, plastic packaging, Christmas tree, cards, or clothes. Now, let's talk about some of the more specifics. That does not include the 300,000 tons of card packaging. And card packaging, I think, is like cardboard. Yep. Mm -hmm. I did not. GWP was very helpful in putting this into a visual for you. Oh, you know I love a visual. It's enough to cover Big Ben 260,000 times. 260,000 times. Good luck unwrapping Big Ben after that. (laughs) (laughs) When it comes to plastic packaging, it's about 114,000 tons or the weight of 650,000 reindeer. Turkey packaging alone is the equivalent Mm -hmm. to 30 blue whales. Foil... Like tinfoil. Actually, I'll give you guys. If we're calculating in rhinoceroses, how many mm-hmm. rhinoceroses make up for the food waste? Foil, not food, foil. A lot of tonnage in a rhinoceros. Um, so I'm going to say it is 100,000 rhinoceros. Oh, I feel like I threw you off because everything else was in the hundreds of thousands. That was my okay. bad. Two rhinoceros. <laughs> <laughs> Two thousand. Thousand. <laughs> so close. See, this is why. This is just a shot in the dark every time. Love Imagine if one day I get it exactly right. I should win a prize. Okay. I would win a here's prize. A, here's another question for you then. If every American family saved two feet of ribbon, saved two feet from their packages mm-hmm. of ribbon, how many times could you wrap the planet with said ribbon? Yeah, I've got no clue. Uh, I'm going to say 800 times. 800,000 times. 800,000. One. I'm just, just one. It's just one. <laughs> Is it just one? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, but that's America. I hope NASA calls me. Yeah, they're like, this woman, she is a human calculator. I need to get her. <laughs> <laughs> if you're loving all this free content and thinking, how can I support the podcast? Well, one way is to support our sponsors like this one. I don't know about you, but I love smoothies, but I don't love smoothie bar prices. BlendJet 2 is portable, so you can blend up a smoothie at work, a protein shake at the gym, or my favorite, even a margarita on the beach. It's small enough to fit in a cup holder, but powerful enough to blast through tough ingredients like ice with ease. BlendJet 2 is whisper quiet, so you can make your morning smoothie without waking up the whole house. The battery lasts for 15 plus blends and recharges quickly via a USB-C cable. Best of all, BlendJet 2 cleans itself. Just blend water with a drop of soap and you're good to go. It has over 30 plus colors and patterns to choose from, which makes them an awesome present. Go to BlendJet2.com and grab yours today and be sure to use the promo code FERRIS12 to get 12% off and free two-day shipping. That's FERRIS, as in my last name, F for frog, E-R-R-I-S for sugar, 12. Whatever way you remember it, Ferris 12 into the website. They guarantee you'll love it or your money back. Plus, as a bonus, it's a great way to support the podcast. And if you can't remember Ferris 12, go to the show notes and click the link. My name is Cindy Burnett, and each week I interview at least two traditionally published authors on my podcast, Thoughts from a Page. We talk spoiler-free about their books, so you can listen whether you have read the book or not. And then we delve into things that you most likely won't hear about anywhere else the importance of the cover design, why they included various aspects of the story, personal details about both the books and the author's lives, and so much more. You can find the podcast on every major platform, 
and learn more about it on my website, thoughtsfromapage.com. Thanks so much for checking it out. Well, moving on to presence, when it comes to presence, and I know you did this as part of your challenge, which is to uh, reuse wrapping paper or upcycle a material or a box, right? You did the season one. Yeah, it was one of my very first ones. Yeah, that's right. I think that was your first challenge, wasn't it? And having said that, it's one that I've carried on. Good. So if every family wrapped just three presents using a reused material or an upcycled material, it would save enough paper to cover 45,000 football fields. It's a lot. Yeah, it is a lot. Moving from waste to presents, between Thanksgiving and New Year's Day, the U.S. Postal Service, so this does not include private couriers, The U.S. Postal Service delivers an estimated 910 million packages. That was 2019, so that was even before the pandemic. Oh, it'll be so much worse now because people have got so used to it. Yeah. Not going out and shopping. Mm. It's also about 15 billion pieces of mail. So think about all the Christmas cards. Mm -hmm. And if I remember correctly, if you took all of the Christmas cards in the U.K., I think, it's enough Christmas cards to cover a football field 10 stories high. Wow. That's why you should use electronic cards. Tip number one of the day. Or the other thing that you can do is the seed cards, which are very popular now. You can plant the card and it turns into something, Mm. which is quite cute. But then I thought the other day when I was looking at those, you can't possibly send a card from the UK to the US that's a planted seed card because then you are sending yeah. non-native seeds. So you'll be getting an e-card is the point. Hey, at least I'm getting something. <laughs> I'm terrible at Christmas cards. Expect nothing. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's talk about presents, gifts, and wrapping. So we talked a little bit more in depth on this on the uh, episode three challenge of the season when I was talking about children and a choice. So I'm not going to repeat those numbers other than we know that about 80% of all toys end up in landfill. This isn't just Christmas. This is just across the board, about 80%. And 90% of toys on the market are made of plastic. So just keep that in mind when we're talking about gifts and Christmas season. One thing I was thinking about with gifts is a homemade gift. If you give it to somebody who's not sustainably minded, you're not read the room and you look like you're just being cheap and nasty. You've got to pick and choose knitted nipple warmers regardless. That doesn't sound like a bad gift. Um, <laughs> I don't know. So I grew up in a family where it wasn't uncommon to get handmade gifts, specifically for my grandparents. So mm. that's always kind of been my upbringing. I'm trying to think about it like with my husband's family. Yeah, it's definitely different, but I will say over the years – my mother-in-law, she she likes to give clothing, and my mother-in-law has wholeheartedly made the switch. Originally, it was just for me. Like, she might give me a sweater from a sustainable company, but she's actually mm-hmm. made that switch for all of the females in the family now. So any clothing she gets them comes from sustainable companies. And so I'm happy to see that, you know, next year the That's men, right. I think. Yeah. But let's talk about what happens when someone gets a gift that they don't like, which happens. A little regifting, me thinks. That would actually be the solution to this. Um, mm-hmm. But some experts estimate that retailers throw away about a quarter of their returns. It 
essentially works out to about 5 billion pounds of landfill waste and 15 million tons of carbon emission per year just from items that end up in the landfill, like new items that are returned. And that's more than the estimated economy of Austria. What? Yeah. They throw them away. Mm-hmm. Is that because the packaging's broken or they just so can't put it back out on the shelves? There's actually a couple of reasons. One is, yes, there could be damage, not necessarily to the packaging, but that certainly can play into it, but to the item itself, if it's clothing, if it's been stained. Electronics sometimes will get put on shelves as like an open box sale. Mm-hmm. But... Think about it. If you're shopping on Amazon, right, and you want to buy Beats headphones or something like that, that retailer is not going to sell, in most cases, an open box. The other reason, too, is with the cost of cleaning, restocking, all of that, a lot of times it is actually cheaper for these companies to produce or buy new to then sell than it is to restock. That's just completely wasteful. I think people would be amazed like how much clothing ends up in landfills that is returns. Horrific, I think. Yeah. And actually, well, we're going to talk about that in season three, right? The thrift industry Mm -hmm. and returns. Yeah. It's a lot of waste. The other thing when it comes to waste and gifts around the holidays is wrapping paper. There may be an assumption that because it is paper, it can be recycled Oftentimes, and actually specifically in the UK, they advocate for you to just throw it in the trash bin and not even to attempt to recycle it. In the US, it's about 4.6 million pounds a year of wrapping paper and 2.3 million pounds of that ends up in landfill. So it's about it's about half of it. And the reason for that is because wrapping paper, specifically you're looking for the sturdier ones, can have coatings on them. They can contain plastic. So if it has glitter, if it's glossy, you can't recycle that. It's a plastic. So if you were going to buy wrapping paper, if that was your non-negotiable, I still want to wrap my presents, it's the brown paper or the recycled eco paper that you need to be looking for, right? Yes. There is wrapping paper out there that you can recycle. You just really have to look at it, see Mm. what's in it. And again, if it's number one, just stay away from anything with glitter or metallics glossy. Mm -hmm. And then from there, you know, if it's a really thick paper and shiny, like definitely look at the label and be a bit cautious. I know that ribbons and bows, first off, we've had this conversation that my mom used to make us save them, which is great. I still do it. And I've started doing it because of your mom. It's great. I have ribbons from, I think, when I was a kid that are still in circulation. I love that. Yeah, some of them can be recycled, some of them can't. Again, it all depends. Now, here's a question I've got for you, because I was thinking, if you're going with the natural recyclable paper, sometimes people will try and pimp it up, and Mm -hmm. I've seen people put stickers on it. Does that not automatically make it non-recyclable? That is correct. It automatically makes it non-recyclable. I mean, if you're putting like a sprig of pine tree on there... Fine. Oh, that's cute. Yeah. Or oh, I like that. a dried orange, you know, or, or something like that. Fine. Yeah. When my nieces were living with us, we had a, a rather large gift for, I don't remember who it was for, but anyways, it was like impossible to wrap it. And honestly, why? So we just left it in the box because it was also very heavy. And we took brown paper bags, like grocery store bags that we had, covered it with the brown side, you know, no logo facing up, and then just had my nieces draw all over it, like draw Santa Claus or snowflakes and really cute. So can you reuse it if it's got coloring in felt on it? Can that be recycled? 
Yes, because you can recycle regular paper that has been written on with markers, with crayons, the whole deal. So you can pimp it up if you're very artistic. Yeah, or in a joke way, not artistic. (laughs) That'll be me. Let's talk about energy use, because it's not something that when it comes to Christmas, that's discussed very often. But it's, No, that's true. I didn't think that was going to be on the list. Yeah. Let's go. So obviously during the holidays, energy usages spike. Contrary to popular belief, it is not the day before or even the day of Christmas. So there is a massive spike at 5 a.m. across the U.K., in the morning, Christmas morning, because kids get up earlier. Interestingly enough, the day of tends to be a little bit lower because people don't have the TV on. Um, okay. But leading up to it, we see it, a spike in TV energy usage because people are watching their holiday movies. Yeah. In the U.S., we use more electricity on Christmas lights than some countries such as Ethiopia or El Salvador use in an entire year. Wow, that's crazy. We use a lot. It's estimated around 6.6 billion kilowatt hours. That's the comedy of Christmas lights in New Zealand that they are put up for the children to see. But for the kids to go around and see, you have to keep them up about three hours past their bedtime because it's the middle of summer and it doesn't get dark till about 10 o'clock. Oh, that's So it's completely wasted. So one calculation did find that the holiday lights and displays use enough energy to power 400,000 homes for an entire year. Wow. And you think about we're going into an energy crisis in the UK and Europe. You probably are as well, I'd imagine, are you? Energy prices are skyrocketing. Right, yeah. exactly. Yep. So, And Christmas is coming. Yes. So let's go back to the olden days of candles. Just don't yeah. burn down the house. I feel like the best Christmases, even visually, that make you kind of get those warm cockles in your heart are the olden day Christmases. And that's why I loved going to Christmas markets, the old fashioned Christmas markets where Mm -hmm. they sell whittled little wooden ornaments for your tree. That's not something we do well here as Christmas markets. We really don't. I know in recent years they just started opening them up in Boston. But you'd think with that kind of New England vibe, you know, the snow cover, you would think that that would be something we'd excel at. And we do not. Okay, trees. The great debate, fake or real. What do you use? Well, I thought I was doing the right thing and I went artificial because we use it over and over and over and over again. And it seemed wrong to be cutting down a tree and then come 12 days after Christmas, it's a tree graveyard on our street. And that didn't seem like something I wanted to be part of. But I think doing a little of the old Google, they're not that great. No. Am I right? So, Mm. right. So fake trees are made from PVC. In Mm. the United States, there's around 10 million artificial trees that are purchased each season. So it's a lot. And one estimate puts that at 90% of them come from China. So we are shipping them on top of making them plastic. Of course, we know the plastic cannot be recycled. It ends up in landfill, all that good stuff. And round and round we go. Yeah, exactly. Not recyclable, unfortunately. And, you know, of course, it doesn't smell like a Christmas tree. That's personal preference. But I've seen people buy then the plastic scent sticks you can put on the tree. Anyways, that's off subject. (laughs) Which again is kind of like... Consumer on top of consumer. Yeah, exactly. So that being said, when it comes to real trees, because, right, the concern is you're cutting down a tree, you know, you're clearing a natural habitat. It can be monocropped. When I say monocropped, you know, it's just, it's a tree farm. 
So mm-hmm. out of the estimated 350 to 500 million trees growing on tree farms in the United States, only around 30 million of them are harvested each year for Christmas. And if it is done sustainably, it's done in a, what's the word I'm looking for? Essentially, if you're a good business person, you're not cutting all your trees one year. So that's good. When it also comes to the breakdown of like once you're done with the tree, if it ends up in a landfill, not great. Some people burn them. One of the better things you can actually do, and we're seeing an increase of this, is you can donate them to farms. So for instance, goats love pine trees. Uh, a lot of animals oh. do so, especially during the winter months when they may be looking for natural forage anyways, you can donate to a farm or there are different uh, horticulture garden centers and even city programs that are now taking them and chipping them down to use in projects. Which is great. Okay. Well, and I tell you, I think you already know this, but I was very excited when I Googled this little puppy today that you can in the UK hire a Christmas tree and it gets delivered to you for 20 pounds. And this is the bit that really I'm kind of stuck on that you'll be able to help me with. When they deliver it, you get it for whatever period, you decorate it, da, da, da. they yeah. then come and pick it up afterwards and mm-hmm. then they replant it mm-hmm. in January. How can you? What the? Yeah, this is actually a massively growing sector. My understanding of this is that they come in pots and these are specialized Ah, pots that allow them to put it back in and allow a natural root growth. That is my understanding of them. That makes so much more sense than sawing it down. I'm like, that's not going to grow. No, that's (laughs) that you're not re-sprouting. But yeah, that's, I mean, that is an option. And there are some places I read there you rent the same tree and over every year and you can essentially you buy your tree and then you have your rental fee and every year you get to watch it to grow and that's Whoa. your family tree. And then once it's too big to be in your home, it gets retired on the tree farm. That's a sweet idea. That's an option. So then let's, oh, to, the short of that is a real tree is better than a fake tree. But that being said, if you have a fake tree, best thing you can do is just keep reusing it, using you it. know, take care mm-hmm. of it. Hopefully by the time it is time for it to be retired, we'll have more recycling programs out there that can help with that. Okay. Other tips aside from reuse your tree or buy a real tree. LED lights, that helps to save energy for your Christmas lights. Upcycle or recycle both gifts and wrapping papers, bows, and ribbons if you can. Don't overbuy food. Shop locally if you can for both food and gifts from smaller stores to help cut the shipping emissions cost of not only the gifts, but the transportation of them as well. Same goes for food if you have that option. And then e-cards, you touched on that. Christmas e-cards are a great way to go. And then lastly, we're seeing a really big shift away from material gifts or cutting down of material gifts into gifting experiences. So tickets to a musical or, you know, a pedicure or a zoo outing, something that will build memories, especially for children, because we know if we look at how long they actually use a toy before they get bored with it, experiences tend to be a better investment. Yeah, we're all about the experiences. We've also got another couple of little Christmas traditions that we've used in the past as a family that I think are quite good little hacks. Ooh, tell So so I'm one of six kids, so it's not like we would give our brothers and sisters presents. We've all kind of, you know, grown out of that. Yeah. But there was a stage that we realized that we were all 
gifting a voucher to each other and it was the same amount of money going around and around and around and then all of us were like well we really would rather not do that so we would all put in a certain amount of money and give it to the Red Cross one year or we'd pick a charity. I love that and actually you reminded me of something talking about families when they're larger or just any family but as you get older right as an adult with siblings mm-hmm. or cousins when you get together whatever it is what we do with my husband's family is we pick out of a hat so you only get yes. one person and then every year it changes so instead of buying 12 gifts yeah you're buying one gift and then every year it changes i like that there's an even better twist on that that is my favorite game at christmas everybody puts in one gift into the sack that's wrapped and then you pull out a number yes one through ten and then the person who gets number one is the one that you want to get so they choose a gift and then the next person chooses it but number one Gets last. Steal number twos. What is that called? I've done that when we get together with friends for Christmas parties. I have got no idea. It'll come to us as soon as we hit stop record. I love that. All right. What else? I should preface this by saying my language of love is not gifts. And definitely Gareth is the same. We deliberately give each other terrible gifts. Do you? Um, Yeah. And it's funnier that way. But what I have done in the past is do the ones where you can buy like an immunization for a child or give a goat. Yeah. So gift those kind of experiences that are paying it forward. Yep. Because that feels even more in the Christmas spirit sometimes, which is what it's all about at yeah. the end of the day. I think that's great, especially as you get older and you realize you just don't need, no, you don't need stuff. Then, no. And I mean, it is about the language of love. If that's the way that you feel people can show you, then, you know, and that's your thing, that's fine. But for me, it's definitely not that. Mm. So gifts are my love language. There you go. If you know that about someone, make sure you put some effort in. But I bet, and I'm just going to put myself out on a limb here, that the thought behind the present is more important to you than the actual gift. Yes. Like it's not about quantity. It is quality. And for Christmas, we do maybe one or two gifts, but it's things that I would want, but I would never buy for myself. And I think the other thing is when it comes to, first off, we never, as much as I love gifts, like we don't do anniversaries. We don't do Valentine's Day. Like we yeah, just same. don't. The only thing I really appreciate though on those days is he'll write a card and then put the dog's paw prints on them and say it's like from everybody. So that I think- a lot of effort. You've got a lot of dogs. Yeah. He's going to need to get himself a massive A4 card. One year for Christmas, he got me a, a really nice Scrabble board, like a wood Scrabble board that that turns and stuff. And there's a little metal gold plate on the front of it that says, like, Merry Christmas from and then all the dogs' names. That is Like, that's cute. me, you know. That is very cute. Should we talk about our highs and lows? Right, go then. I'll start with my low. So recently, well... A little while ago, reorganized the office, cleaned it out, you know, and I had quite a few electronic boxes, like just things, you know, from my iPad that I never got rid of. And it didn't dawn on me until I was getting ready for this show that I should have saved them to put my Christmas presents in. And everybody's really excited that they're getting a new iPad and then they open it up and you've like hand spun them some milk bottle warmer. I don't know where I'm coming up with these gift ideas today, but (laughs) I think that tells you. I'm going to gonna talk to your kids giving. after the holidays and see what they what your actual gifting is. Exactly. <laughs> what was your low? Well, my low is one of my cats got really sick and had lost a lot of weight. And we've recently done a pet food 
episode and I'd changed mm. all the food to be sustainable packaging, try and be far more eco about that. But turns out he was just getting summer cat body ready um, and being very picky about his food. And so I ended up having to buy the one brand that he will eat because he yeah. was wasting away, you know. Guilty Greeny fail, but the cat's alive. The cat's still alive. It's funny you mentioned that because I did the same thing. I switched to all of our dog's food and I tried to do it gradually. I did not do it incredibly gradually, though. It resulted in a lot of upset stomachs. Yeah. And finally I thought, nope, back to the old Back stuff. we go. Back we go. So, yeah, I can it's hard. Out. I mean, it's very hard when it's your, your pets. So what was your high then? My high was also part of my office clean out. I had some extra box lights that I'm not using anymore. So I put them on my community page and now someone has two box lights for their studio, photo studio. Well done. That's a beautiful one. Yeah. Love what was yours? Neighborhood swap. So mine is food related. So we've been doing these meal kits because just time and trying to get the kids to cook and all be part of it and make the household run a bit smoother. And I had a tiny little bit of yogurt that hadn't been used in it. And I was like, I'm not going to waste that. So I made myself flatbread out of the yogurt and used every single item that was in the food thing that week without anything going to waste, which I was super proud of. Sorry, you got to clarify back, one thing back, for Sarah. me. Hold on yet. You made bread out of the yogurt? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's new. Why are you looking at me like that? I don't, I've just like, never heard of that. That's great. No, it's too, it's so simple. So you just add flour. I can't even remember if it was self-raising. I don't think it was. So you make a dough out of it and it's super light and super silky texture. You don't need to work out measurements or anything. However much yogurt you've got, yeah. you just put, keep adding in the flour and then you put it in a pan, maybe with a bit of olive oil and just it bakes in the pan. So you roll it really thin. It's a flatbread. So it's and just yogurt and flour. That's it. Just yogurt and flour. What kind of yogurt? Are we talking like a Greek yogurt? Greek. Or? Yeah. You definitely don't want to be using like a tutti frutti summer fruits mix. That's going to be a whole different Actually, I bet, that, I bet that could be good. I'm just thinking like vanilla is not really going to hit no. cinnamon. Oh, cinnamon maybe. I don't know. Anyway, I haven't got any more recipes for you, but that's the one <laughs> that I did make. So I felt quite good about that. Your high definitely trumps mine this week. That's awesome. And I get a recipe out of it, so I'm going to try it. There we go. Oh, another episode down. Another one down. Join us next episode for more of the good, the bad, the laughable as we tackle our own sustainability journeys. And if you've enjoyed the show, do remember that you can help us spread our sustainability babble by going to Apple Podcasts and leaving a five-star review or whatever your platform allows you to do that you're listening to this podcast on. Guilty Greenie is an independently made podcast. So if you'd like to support the podcast, please go to buymeacoffee.com forward slash Guilty Greenie. We appreciate your support. And until then, stay curiously green. Bye-bye. That's what ransomware is all about. It's psychological pressure. Ransomware, when your computer's hacked into and your data held ransom. Attacks are on the rise, and Russian gangs are making billions of dollars. The moment I got that message, I knew our greatest fears that we ever have are starting to come true. The post-Cold War era is over. Dot com, the hacking. 
A new season from Crowd Network with me, Katie Puckrick. Just search for .com, that's D-O-T-C-O-M, and subscribe. Hi, I'm Emma. And I'm Joe. And, and we're, we're the, the Professional, professional book, book Nerds. Nerds. Two Mondays a month, we interview authors and talk about their upcoming books, what drives them, and their go-to order at the cafe. On Thursdays, we share recommendations and dive into topics readers face, like how do I actually read the books on my to-be-read list? You can find the Professional Book Nerds podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Want to learn more about us? Our website is professionalbooknerds.com, and you can find us on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at ProBookNerds. We hope you'll come and listen, and as always, happy happy reading. reading!